Okay, we're going to start with a nice word on Pashva uh, Yikru. So I met some people this week who told me that, oh, one person tells me, I'm sure this week you're not going to give a, a Shalom Bias class because we're only talking about Corona this week. So nobody's interested in Shalom Bias. Mm-hmm. So I was already thinking what to do. But then somebody else tells me, I can't wait for your share. The only thing I hear all these days is Corona, Corona. I can't wait to hear something else. So that gave me a little chizik to try something else. Okay, so here we go. Start with a word on Pashva Yikru. Now this word on Pashva Yikru, um, well, it's not really a Pashva Yikru. There's a Medrash. The beginning of Pashva Yikru, interesting Medrash. And the Asfurun, I talk about the connection between the Medrash and the Parsha, but I'm just going to mention the Medrash alone. I saw something in the Medrash that I think is so, is so important. And actually, a lot of Asfurun talk about this Medrash on Pashva Bahar. Okay, but the Medrash is like this. Vikram Moshe. Right? The Pusik is saying that, you know, this Geboire Koyach, there are people that are very strong, that are Oisad Vura, they do the Dvar Hashem. They listen to Hashem with strength. So, what's the strength? The geboi rekoyach are the people that are shemesh shvias, that 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 you know keep the laws of shmita. Why? Benoyek shabayim udem oisem mitzvah diem echod shabbat zachas lachodesh echod. A person can do a mitzvah sometimes for a day. Right? Well, start, let's start for an hour, or a few minutes. Right? Some mitzvahs only take a few minutes. Some take an hour. Some take a full day. Some take a week. Right? You know, Shema Shabbos. Well, Shabbos doesn't take a whole week, but Shabbos, the Chodesh, the Yom Tov Paisach that takes a week. Yeah, have even things that take a month. Maybe Chodesh Tisha that takes a month. You know, Bashem Shai Shuna. Could a person do a mitzvah a whole year? Do a mitzvah for a year. Imagine if you have to do one mitzvah for a whole year. That would be. That would, that would, you know, see, see, the Lushna Medrash is. You have a person who is, he's, he has an empty field, he's not able to work on it, for a full year of Shemitah, and, and he has to give tax. Veshusik, and he's not, and he's, not, he's not complaining. It's a full year that he has to watch that he can't work his field, and he's paying taxes for it. So that's very hard to go on for a year like that. And that's why you have someone who's, a, who's that strong that for a year could, could be doing the same mitzvah, could be doing a mitzvah. So what the message is telling us is that sometimes you need, sometimes you need a gvira, a, a strength, a starka, to be able to do a mitzvah for a long time. When something's very sh- a short period of time, okay, so you, know, you push through. Even if you're not in the mood. I'm talking about someone who's not enthusiastic and not doing a mitzvah because he loves it. You push through. We do it as hard as it is. You know, and, and many of us have that feeling about certain mitzvahs or certain times that we're in the mood. When something's uh, taking a year, or you don't even know how long it will take, right? It's one of the things with the virus. Uh, not knowing when it's going to end. It just makes it so, so much more difficult. So that, that takes a lot of strength to be able to hold on and persevere for a full year and not get stuck somewhere in the middle and throw in the towel and say, you know what, this is taking too long. That, that's what that's what greed is all about. And this is what you see now, you know, like I said, this is what you see in the current situation that, that, that people find themselves in. They can't handle the, the you know the, the amount of time or not knowing the amount of time is definitely something. Um, so it, the, the, seeing this message just reminded me, I was talking to a group of Chassanim, this was uh, in the summer, and I said a lot of times I hate this, I hate this from Chassanim. People, you know, a Chusan will think, you know, I get along with people, I have friends that I get along with. You know, what's the big deal? We're talking about from bias, from bias, everyone's all about, you know, how are you going to get along with your wife? I mean, please, I'm getting along with people just fine. And, and technically he's right. Now, okay, some people will say wife is different, wife is not different, how different? Now, what I told that group was that what you don't realize sometimes is like this. You have a group of friends. You're getting along with whoever you want to get along with. You don't realize that in a class of 30, you have 6 friends, 10 friends, 18 friends, right? But you don't have 30 friends. Most, most Bukhram. You don't have 30 friends. Why? Because there's 10, 12 people or sometimes 20 people or sometimes more that they irk you. They get in your nerves and you just, you just don't like them. So you know what you do? You stick to the boys you like and you, you stick to the dormitory room that you like, and you stick to the chabrises that you like, and, and that's where you have your friends. You don't realize how much of your friends are 
you know, the ones that you like. Now, the person you're getting married to, regardless of how Shadikhan work, you, you, you don't know if that's always going to be the person you're in the mood of. So with your friends, besides the fact that you could pick which one's yes and which one's not, you could also pick how long or how much you want to be connected to this friend. How much do you want to move on? How much do you need your space now? Right? What if you could change friends? You could change chavrises. It's all flexible. If you don't realize how much of your talent and flexibility and capability of getting along with other people, it's all in your terms. You don't even realize that. Right? And people don't realize how much they choose, they pick and choose how and when to get along with people. The second you're being told who to get along with, right? And the second that's long term, that's, that's a different story. That's different. And that's why sometimes it's, it's much more challenging than you think. Now, I'm not saying it's always challenging. It doesn't have to be challenging. Hashem should help that you should always be married to the person that you're always in the mood of and, and always connected to and never want to run away from and never need space from. You know, but sometimes that's not how things work. So that's why it takes a certain amount of talent, strength, intelligence, and, and a lot of seat the to always get along with the person you marry. Now, just now, right, people at home more, right? As I, people got to, to shield, people have time, they go to Minion, and, and they work, whatever. You know, with the coronavirus, it's, it's, you know, you see this, people are stuck with each other longer, and just, it, it gets more difficult. And that's what, what the message is teaching. Sometimes you need there are things that take more strength, because it's ongoing, or something's ongoing, it's harder to, to hold out from. So it's definitely a lesson that we can learn from, that yes, mm-hmm. it takes strength, and we should put in the effort, and, and be strong people, to be able to get along with people, long term, relationships that are long term, especially when they're, you know, all-encompassing and, 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 and longer becomes and everything else. So let me, let me read a question that somebody sent. It's a pretty general question, actually, and, and let's just talk about it. There's always things we can learn from every question, every answer. I would like to thank you for your insightful shurim and emails. I have the following question. Okay, talking about emails, I don't know, whoever gets my partial lessons, um, partial lessons at lahoe.org, you can ask for that. Every week I send out a partial lesson, an essay. And also, in honor of the coronavirus, we did a special essay this past Erev Shabbos, so whoever wants could send in for that too, and I'll send it to you, Mr. Shem. Okay, I have the following question. My wife seems to have a rather low tolerance level, and quite often will get very agitated by seemingly trivial things. When there's a hiccup or challenge, for example, the baby, for, for example, the baby is not following the sleep schedule and will be up at night, she will get very tense and angry. Similarly, when there is something she doesn't like, she will easily become agitated with me and will thus cause friction between us. When I do share with her my feelings of how it's very hard for me to live like this, her response is, you expect me to be like a malach? Or can't I vent my, and express my feelings? Etc. My question is, is, th- is this her personality, which I just have to accept for how she, accept her for how she is? as you cannot change anyone, and rather focus on our many other qualities and good times that we have, that we do have together, or am I getting used to tolerating something harmful to me and the home, and not doing the correct thing of being assertive and forming a positive atmosphere at home? Thank you. Okay. So the question is, that I have a spouse who's nervous and agitated and, and giving it out on me and the kids, and, and should I just accept that this is how it is, or, am I, or, or accepting means tolerating, and I shouldn't be doing that because it's wrong for all of us. Now, I don't really see the contradiction, and, and I want to I wanna be clear about this. The fact that you can't um, change someone, the fact that you can't change someone, doesn't mean that you shouldn't be focusing on the qualities. In other words, I don't see it as, I'm, I'm sure this is what you're expecting me to say, right? You, the fact that you can't change someone, it, it doesn't mean, okay, it doesn't mean that uh, if I can't change them, so I just accept, and I just look at the few other things that there are, and that's that. You don't, you don't focus on someone's good things because you can't change them. You focus on someone's good because you want to focus on someone's good, and you can't change someone because you can't change them. Now, I'll just refer to a class that I said once, Makarovtuni, 10 mistakes people make in marriage, and two of the mistakes were, one was that you, you can't change anyone, and number two is you could change whoever you want, right? So, so it's a mistake to think you could just change someone, 
I'll tell them to do this, I'll explain to them, I'll take them for help, I'll take them to someone, and they're going to change. People don't change like that. People are who they are, and when something's a personality especially, um, that's, that's some, very often what somebody will stay like all their life, because that's, that's who they are, that's their personality, that's their essence. At the same time, to say, okay, so I can't change anyone, I throw in the towel and just try to look at the good, and, and what can I do? You know, and, and just the acceptance and you know, surrender, and I'll be suffering all my life. That's not either true. There's so much that you could do. So let's try to take this apart a little bit. Um, First of all, okay, the first part. No, you can't change anyone. You cannot change anyone. And I want to be clear about that. Everyone has their personalities. Everyone has their way of understanding things, dealing with things, and tolerance level. Everyone has their tolerance level. Everyone has how much they could and can't tolerate, how they understand things, how they experience things, how they perceive things. Everyone has their own way of doing something. So when you see a situation and you look at it like it's trivial, okay, remember, and it's very important, I'm picking on that word especially, because to you something is trivial. To someone else it's not trivial. To, to look at someone else and say you're getting stuck on something trivial, first of all, it's insulting if you're saying it, and even if you're not saying it, you're just thinking it. I mean, to you, it's trivial. Remember that. Trivial is a relative term. To you, it's something silly. To you, it's a trivial thing, and to someone else, it's not. And that may be something you won't be able to change about someone. That the way they see it, it's not so trivial like, you, like it is to you. And that's fine. Now, when you accept someone for that, well, sometimes people do that in a very condescending way. Okay, so I accept. To you, this is important. I know, I know. To you, it's important. Sometimes you can make someone feel bad by accepting them. The way you accept someone, and the way you tell them, I accept you, and the way you tell someone, listen, I, I can't change you. I, to you, this is something, I, I, what can I do about it? Sometimes that alone makes someone feel stupid. Or to tell someone, listen, you know, I understand you can't tolerate anything. What can I, I'm not, I can't change you. And you, you're basically making the person feel um, very inferior, very stupid, for the fact that they don't have as much tolerance as you do, or as much acceptance as you do, or as much coping skills as you do. That alone is a problem. So yes, you can't change people, but you want to accept someone in a way that they feel accepted. Very important point I'm saying now. Okay? Accepting someone means you're helping them feel accepted. Now, if somebody tells you, here's, here's where I always jump back, if somebody tells you, well, I don't feel accepted by you, and if you want me to feel accepted, then you have to do X, Y, Z, otherwise I'm not going to feel accepted, that's something else. Like, you don't have to do something because someone said, I don't feel yet. Very uh, important rule. Right? When you tell someone, I understand you, well, I don't feel understood. I'll only feel understood if you give me a thousand dollars. Right? Again, I understand you. And I'll tell you I do. And I think I do. And I'll try to. But I'm not responsible. It's where like it becomes a codependency. I'm not responsible for you to feel understood. Now, I could try to make you feel understood. And it's important for me to realize that I, my goal is that you should feel understood, obviously. But the fact that you don't yet feel something doesn't mean I didn't do it or, or, or I have to do something about how you feel. Again, it's a very fine line. But I'm saying sometimes I, I see people make this mistake of... You know, um, yeah. I, 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 I'm sorry I did something. Well, I, I, don't, I don't feel that you're sorry. Well, I can't help you feel that I'm sorry. I could just be sorry. And I can make sure that I behave accordingly to how I'm expressing myself and, and, and behave in a way that, that dictates or that communicates that I'm sorry and my apologies, but I'm not responsible for you to feel it. That's very important. But at the same time, let's go back. When you want to accept someone, you want to accept in a way that they can feel accepted. Now, even if they don't, at least you make sure that you're not contributing to that feeling of not being accepted. So when, when you understand someone's challenge, you understand something that's important to someone, and you're not going to trivialize it, and even though to you it's trivial, you're not going to make someone feel bad about it, that's called accepting someone. It's the understanding that to you this is important, and I'm not looking to change you, and I'm not going to be upset at how you deal with things, I'm not looking down at you, you know, for, for having a different way to, to deal with something. Now, you do want to focus on someone's good, and it's not only because you're accepting. You always want to focus on someone's good. You always want to focus on the good of other people. Now, naturally, we are drawn to negativity. Okay? This, is how, this is how we're wired, some people more than others. We want things to be good. We know we like when things are good. And when things are no good, that's when, that's when things look like they're out of order, so to speak. Right? I just heard this past week, Rav Motcher was saying something about the Mashiach coming, the coronavirus. You know? And he's like, 
Sometimes we look at a bad time, like, uh-oh, something's off, Mashiach must be on his way. When things are good, we don't say, oh, what a beautiful day, Mashiach's coming, right? We're drawn to negativity. When things are good, we take them for granted. And in relationships, you see it all the time. When somebody does something nice to you, when somebody, we take it for granted. Why? Because, let's call it we assume, right? Let's make believe it's coming from a normal mindset. We assume that things are supposed to be nice. People should be considerate of each other. In a perfect world, people are nice to each other. So when my spouse is nice to me, or somebody's, you know, smiling to me, I'm not going to think into it, wow, that was so nice of her, you know, I should be so thankful. Well, it's normal. But when somebody's not nice, that's when we pick up on it and realize something wrong. Now, even if in a perfect world it should be like that, and even if it's true that people should be nice to each other, and that's why we keep on giving the shirim, because we keep on trying to help people be nice to each other, you have to remember that when someone is nice, or somebody has a quality, don't take it for granted. And don't let the negativity overshadow, right, the, the, the good. So if somebody's very nice to you very much of the time, and when, when he's not, that's when you pick up and say, oh, I don't like this thing, and it, it, it does away with all the good that there was in the relationship, all the qualities or talents or capabilities somebody has, that, that's a problem. So that's something to think about. I heard a nice word from a friend of mine who said that when, you know, when a person's in Tsar, a Yid is in Tsar, Shechina Ma'emeris, right, this Tzara Shechina as well. What does the Shechina say? Kalani Miroishi, Kalani Mizroi. The Shechina says that my head is heavy, my hand is heavy. Kaviyochol da'ayvishta is being mishtatav in Sirus and Shayisrul. So he just said a nice thought that Kalani, the way the Mepharshim explained, Kalani means Kal'aini. It's not light. We're not saying that the Ayvishta says my, my head is heavy. My head is not light. And the lesson that can be learned from that is that even when your head is heavy, the point is not to say, oh, my head is heavy now. No. The point is to say, now my head is not light. I start noticing how often my head is light. I start, no- I start noticing how often I'm feeling good. Now I'm not feeling so good. So instead of focusing on the negative, we're just, we're just coming to realize that because of the negative, we're realizing all the good that really goes on in our lives. And there's something, and when it comes to relationships as well, somebody's doing something that irks you, it bothers you, you're getting agitated from it. The point is not, well, I can't change this, I'll just focus on the good. No. Even when you see things that are no good, you should always focus on the good. And, and, and sometimes it takes a lot more focus and intent you know, to, to, to do that. And, and you want to express appreciation for it. And when you're focusing on someone's good, you want to make sure they, they know that you see it. It's not just about you. Now, sometimes your own thoughts will already affect your mood and, your, and, your, and the way you interact with someone. But saying it, yes, I notice all that you do for me. And when somebody does something nice, you point it out, and it's a big deal, and it's not just expected, and it's not just, you know, so, so, so it, it definitely does a lot. So even just personally focusing on the good also does a lot in terms of feeling for someone else, but it's, it's you know, this is something that you want to think about and express and, and, and focus on more and emphasize more and make more of the relationship around what's good that somebody could offer. And even if it's natural for someone, you still want to pick up on it and make a big deal about it because that could sometimes make someone feel good and it could bring about more good. And talk about not being able to change anyone. Well, maybe that's going to cause a change. The fact that that person sees and feels that you see all the good in them and they want to impress you even more and not have it taken for granted. And I'll just tell you another interesting thing I had with somebody recently. His wife was telling him how, how good she is and how much she does. And that was the reason why she's now exempt from doing X, Y, Z. In other words, because I already, um, I'll give you an example, because I already cook the food and set the table and bring the food to the table, that's why I don't have to do anything else. Now, some people will look at that and say, excuse me, you know, the woman in the house is supposed to be doing more. And that's why, you know, you're wrong. And some people will say, anyway, the point, the point I'm trying to bring out is that even if somebody's feeling self-entitled and complimenting themselves and telling you how much they're doing, and, and sh- you can work along. Sometimes people, people get that, that natural reaction of, of you know, that's, that's normal. What do you think you're doing? My mother always did that. My, your mother also did that. Why make it a big deal? Because someone's putting attention on the good things they're doing, you have that resistance to acknowledging it, right? Because they're pointing it out to you, so you want to show that. So work alone. When somebody tells you, you know what I did today? Say, what did you do today? Well, I dressed the kids in the morning. 
instead of instead of looking at them like they fell off the moon and saying, well, who was supposed to dress them, the neighbor? You say, no, wow, that's amazing, I appreciate it. And I know you dress them every day, and I know it's not so easy, I know that when I'm in Shil, and I'm just davening and doing my own thing, I'm only able to do it because I know that you're doing it on your own. Don't worry, when you work along with when someone's feeling good about themselves, you're going to make them feel even better, they're going to want to impress you even more, they're going to want to do more for you. So even if it sounds sometimes like they're putting the spotlight on what they're doing good, and that now will demand of you. So you want to take away that spotlight so that they're not demanding of you. Don't do that. Focus on the good. Let someone feel appreciated. Tell them you know it's not easy for them. Show all the appreciation. Say how amazed you are by what they are self-amazed by. And very often that will bring about the good. Now, with all that said, with all that said, after accepting someone and noticing the good and emphasizing and focusing on all the good they're doing, now you have to know that you also have a tolerance level. Okay, so, so saying, you know, I'm going to accept my spouse for having a low tolerance. Well, I also have a tolerance level. Well, maybe it's higher than hers or his. Good for you. Buck <laughs> you. Okay, but you also have a tolerance level. So if you think you're going to just let yourself get stepped on again and again, and, and, and it's good for you, it's not. That's first of all. Second of all, if you let yourself get stepped on again and again, it's not good for your spouse either. You're teaching a very bad lesson by tolerating too much. So that's, that's something that's important to understand. And I think that to, to clarify where and when you should stop is when it affects you directly. So if somebody's nervousness, if somebody's agitatedness has nothing to do with you, it's about how somebody else's mood is, and you don't like it, but it's not about you, it's not imposing on you directly, sometimes it's good to just accept and focus on all the good times and all the smiles and all the calm minutes of the day, even if there aren't that many. But when it does affect you, and somebody's now abusing you or talking to you in a, in a critical or condescending way, it's making you feel bad, or somebody's demanding of you something or controlling you, that's where you want to address it. And you want to address just that. You don't want to address, you're in such a bad mood, you're always in a bad mood. Nothing about that person. It's about how you're feeling affected by their mood. And, and all you want to say is, I understand you're nervous, I understand this is bothering you. For me, it's very difficult to do this and this, please understand me. Or it would mean so much to me if you would ask me in a nicer way and, and, and give, me, give me my space about when to take care of it, but it's about me. And when you focus on where it affects you, and you talk about only what it is that affects you, your message will get across so much faster. Nobody will feel put down or controlled. It won't become a debate or a power struggle about, about how things should be done at home, or what kind of mood you should be in now, or why I can't stand your mood. You're not, you're not knocking anyone, and you're being very accepting of the other person and how they're dealing with their own emotional issues, and you're still being strong about yourself and not being controlled and tolerated, and very often that's what's helping the other person become a better person. You're actually helping someone tolerate more when you show them that there's only so much that you'll accept about how much that negativity is, is, is hurting you. And you're going to communicate it very gently, very gently, in a way that's not... That's not and, and, and another thing. And this is often what I have to help people do. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, people have this thing, well, if I'm going to say that, oh, then she's, she's going she's to lose it. She's going to fly over the handle if I say that. It's okay. As long as you know, remember that, as long as you know that you're saying the right thing in the right way at the right time, it's okay if somebody doesn't like it. Yeah, it's okay. Well, what do I do if she starts screaming? I don't know. You could just calm down and listen and say, I understand you. And you could repeat your message one more time and you could walk away. And even if this time it's not taking well, maybe next time it will be taken better when somebody sees, you know what, I, I, can't, I can't just do what I want anymore. I see it's not working. So even if somebody loses it a little, as long as you're very careful not to hurt anyone, very often you'll be doing yourself and that person a very big favor. So that's mm-hmm. an important thing. So, so let's go back to the main question. Could you change someone or you just have to accept them? Well, the answer really is, and this is what I said, like I talk about in the, in the lecture called the, in the, the Ten Mistakes, you can't change anyone. You can't take someone and change them. Okay? But you could help them change. You can help them change by making them feel good. You can help them change by letting them know that certain things you won't accept. There's a way to help people change. I saw an interesting story, and I'm going to end with this, from the Satmaruv, 
a story about a guy who wasn't so ayayay and he was already being Mechal Shabbos and he already had a, a, a girlfriend that wasn't Jewish that he wanted to marry and everything else and Satmaru spoke to him very nicely and he was Mechal of him and he helped him and he was talking about getting a good job and he asked him just come to Shiel come down in my Shiel and the guy said you know, how can I come down in the Rebbe Shiel people scream at me they don't like that I disturb my davening and they, they make fun of me no you just come I want you there and sure enough that the, those kind words and the attitude that he, that he gave him and he started coming and the, and the, the Rebbe made sure that nobody said anything not, not nice to him and that saved his life and put him back on track now when you think about it it's just a, such a small example of something so typical if you would have tried to change him somebody would have said you know look what you're holding I'm going to change you I'm going to tell you how to do it I'm going to scream at you I'm going to explain to you I'm going I'm to that doesn't work you can't change someone especially when someone's in that situation where they're feeling hurt or misunderstood or, what, or whatever else it is there are people you can't change but you could let them change you could help them change. So giving up on someone and saying, you know, this is who the person is, I'm either going to fight them, or I'm just going to run away, or I'm just going to accept them with all their challenges and let things go. You're not helping them change. You could help someone change. There's ways to help people change. And, you know, there's that becomes the serenity prayer that they say in the 12 steps, right? You made my vision, God grant me the wisdom to know what, what, you know, what I could make change, what I, what, what I can't make, to accept the things I can't change, to know how to change the things I could, and, and to know the difference. So you want to know, you don't want to change your spouse's personality. You don't want to change the way someone's going to do something right now. But you could help someone change by changing your attitude toward them, making them feel good, seeing the good, and making everyone feel good. And I yourself this is a way that we could all, each in our own way, each in our own challenges, each in our own little you know, ways where this, where this question and idea is relevant, you know, to be able to accept each other, make each other feel good, and bring out the best of each other, and live together.